Welcome to the Lead and Follow podcast. I'm your host, Sharna Fabiano, author of the book, Lead and Follow. And I'm pleased to bring you the latest research, insights, and educational techniques in the emerging field of followership to help you connect and collaborate better with the people around you, whether you're leading or following. Please do leave us a review in your favorite podcast app, and thanks so much for listening. This week, I'm speaking with Tova Moreno. Tova has been working in the costume industry since graduating from the University of Washington in 2002 with a degree in visual art. While in school, she discovered costume design, and after graduation, she fell in love with tailoring. Over the next decade, she sewed costumes in many costume shops across the U.S., including the Santa Fe Opera, period corsets in Seattle, Boston Ballet, and the American Repertory Theater in Boston but she was always eager to get her hands on any tailoring projects that came through the shops. I actually met Tova during some of those same years, but through the tango community, where I knew her as a popular teacher and successful festival organizer. Today, she's going to bring us into the world of tailoring in the work she does now with her mentor, the master tailor, Arthur Alekverdian at Arthur Tailors Limited in New York City. I'm really looking forward to learning how she experiences lead and follow in her work with Arthur in the tailoring world. Tova, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Sharna. I'm happy to be here. Great. Me too. Me too. <laughs> so just to get us started, I, I'm guessing most listeners are as ignorant as I am of the world of tailoring. And so I would love personally, if you could just give us a little introduction to your mentor, Arthur, his shop, how tailoring works, how you came to be doing what you're doing now. Sure. I like to think of tailoring, the way I love to describe it is that tailoring is like baking. So in baking, it's very important, the order of things and how Mm. much exactly you do of each of those things. Whereas, no, I've never been a dressmaker, so dressmakers might not like this analogy, (laughs) but dressmaking, I think of it more like making a stir fry. You're like, oh, let me put this on the form and like pin some stuff here and like see how I like it. I guess in stir fry, you don't pin things, but you know, it's different tools, right? I Um, love it. Love it. Totally with you. Yeah. So tailoring, it's kind of, it's a little bit more of a dying art than dressmaking because it is so specific Mm -hmm. and there, and it has become so automated in the world. Men's fashion in general it just doesn't have as much variety as women's fashion traditionally. Mm -hmm. And so there have been a lot of machines that have been made to automate the system of making a jacket and take it from being like a 40 hour handmade process to a 30 minute machine made process on all these specialized machines. Mm -hmm. So finding an amazing tailoring mentor is hard to do these days. I can imagine. Wow. Yeah. But I fell in love with tailoring because I'm I'm a recipe follower. <laughs> so I loved the precision and the like the this is what you do then. And of course, you know, once you learn it, then you can go and 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 I do specifically theatrical tailoring. I worked in costume shops for my whole career. So and in theatrical tailoring, you do have a more of a range of skills that you need to know because the different periods have different shapes and cuts and and details Mm -hmm. Um, but but it still is a little more straightforward and easy to figure out or a a narrower range of garments 
than in dressmaking or in a narrower range of shapes. Got it. Got it. Let's see. What else? I came to New York in 2009 because I was looking for my tailoring mentor. I was trying to find this person for so long. and It was so hard to do. And as soon as I met Arthur, he had just opened his own business. He just left this business called, uh, he'd been one of the head tailors at Barbara Materas for about 15 years. Mm -hmm. And anybody who knows the costume world is like, Barbara Materas, what? That's the top (laughs) shot, right? But very few people know the costume world. So um, I'm just planting that. He, he's an amazing, amazing tailor. And as soon as I met him, the way that he spoke about tailoring and about learning and the, like what he taught me, even in that first quote unquote interview, mm-hmm. I was like, I even told him at that moment, if you don't take me, I'm moving to London. To, and he's, <laughs> and he just like kind of laughed and he said, ha ha ha, you won't find anybody in London. <laughs> Um, don't tell London. Um, so <laughs> nothing so, like an idle threat, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it is interesting. I've been working with Archer for more than a decade now, mm-hmm. and it is, it's fascinating when you meet somebody and the amount of their knowledge, you, you just never find the end of it. Mm. And that's how I feel with Archer. Like, I feel like my respect for him just has continued to grow both as a professional and as a human being. And I feel like I could like learn from him as a tailor for the rest of my life. Wow. I just want to pause there actually and appreciate what you said, because it's so rare to have those opportunities. It's so rare. No matter what the industry, you know, so to speak, or discipline, but even more so with one that's so, as you said, sort of disappearing you know, kind of like a lost art. And um, the mentor-mentee relationship, I feel like is such a a great example of like leader-follower in a sense. I wonder if you want to go a little more into that experience and then we can sort of maybe follow your your decade of experience a little bit into, into the present. Sure. In those early days, I was blessed to be able to work for free, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. because that relationship, he was giving so much to me and through his teaching to then also be paying me. It's not an an equal exchange. Mm -hmm. So I was really, really grateful that I I had income coming from somewhere else. And so I was able to learn that way. I remember also requesting like specific ways that he would teach me because sometimes when I would do something wrong uh, more than once, he would get kind of frustrated with me. And I remember even in my follower role asking him, Hey, I don't learn the best when you get snarky with me. Like, Mm -hmm. can you please teach me in a way that is more gentle? Mm -hmm. So finding, finding my voice as a follower to be, and, and that isn't actually true. It's actually really memorable when somebody's really mad at you to learn. But it's not, it doesn't provide the best environment, right? Right. So like for longevity, um, I prefer to be in a in a um in a lead follow dynamic where where we are kind to each other. Yeah, it sounds more sustainable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I think it's important you mentioning that finding your voice as a follower, 
because it's easy, you know, and this is just, I'm going to mention this, it's like a cultural bias, right? We think, oh, the student or the follower or the mentee, they're just like a receptacle, but it's not really true, you know, in reality. And the more proactive and self-aware, I think you are in that role, as you're saying, like, I, I do best when I learn in this way, or, you know, just knowing those things about yourself, it enriches the relationship. It makes it more, I think, more valuable and productive. Yeah, totally. And I think sustainable is such an important part of it. And I think that's a big part of what um, I have sought in my work is finding ways to create a feeling of longevity and, mm-hmm. and sustainability in my work. And that that comes out in, in, in like those, those moments of, Hey, this is how I would like to be taught mm-hmm. in my follower role. And also in, in other ways that I bring lightness to my work. Totally. Yeah. So maybe fast forward a little, you know, tell us a little more about how this relationship developed. I can't wait to find out what happened next in the story. So it was interesting. So Arthur had, he'd been in, in the United States about 15 years, but his English still was not amazing. I don't know if he'd ever written an email before <laughs> I came there. And that's challenging when you're the leader of a business to not yes. ever write emails. So I started, you know, he found, he was like, you speak English. You speak English so well. So, um, sorry, I always go into Arthur accent. I'm not, a, I'm not sorry. He's okay with it. I just want to say. Thank you. Um, okay. And if not, he'll tell me. <laughs> no, that's a joke. Anyways, so I started writing emails and I started being the person like who communicated with clients and customers. And mm-hmm. so that's how I started taking on a managerial role. In fact, even now, and for most of the years that I've worked at Archer and Taylor's, I have been the only native English speaker working there. The mm-hmm. language in the shop is Russian. Mm-hmm. That's what is just like day-to-day spoken everywhere in our shop. So that's how I started to take on the role. Like I started to do less and less sewing Mm -hmm. and do more and more computer stuff and working with customers and all of that and taking on more responsibility, meaning more leadership. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So talk a little bit about that. Just, you know, what's your felt experience of being in that role, you know, that responsibility leadership role in relation to the shop itself, you know, versus kind of being the, the one doing the sewing or the tailoring. I often find that my favorite place to be is second in command. Mm -hmm. So it is not the top leader. Mm -hmm. I have somebody that I'm following, but I still get to lead a lot. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's my favorite place because I don't actually want to, to have like the full stress of having everything on my shoulders, mm-hmm. but I really like to create um, systems. And uh, one of my top values is organizing things. So mm-hmm. like finding structures or creating structures and, and making things beautiful and making things happen is really, is really fun. And those, all of those things they dance between leadership and followership. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes they sometimes they show up in more of a leadership way. Like this is what we're going to do. I think this will be best. Mm-hmm. I might tell Archer, 
or, or what happens often with archers, I'll say, okay, what do you want me to do today? And I'll be like, let me tell you what's on the list. Here's what I think is most important. And I'll be like, actually, I'm just going to do what's most important. Um, so, uh, but sometimes he will tell me like, no, I really want you to do this thing. And mm-hmm. even if I don't think it's most important, I'll be like, okay, he's my boss. He gets to tell me what to do. These are like literally the words that go through my head. Mm-hmm. He's my boss. He gets to tell me what to do. Therefore, that is what's most important. And it goes up on the list. But oftentimes nowadays, I will be uh, leading myself and, and others through things. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It, it just reminds me of a lot of the research I've been pouring through and um, I'll just mention Barbara Kellerman. She's a leading uh, researcher in this area of leadership and followership. And she's credited with introducing this triangle of leading, following, and context, where you decide who's the best person to lead based on what's happening. And, you know, what you've described there sounds a little bit to me like that, where you're second in command. So you do have a lot of freedom or perhaps like it's often your role to make those decisions about, you know, what's most important, but, you know, depending, right. Sometimes Archer does, right. Sometimes he fulfills that leading role depending on, I don't know what the variables might be, but um, I imagine they change from day to day. Right. Right. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was intrigued by your comment that there's an element of leading and following in this, sort of setting things up and tending to structures and details. Could you say a little more about that? Like what part of that do you feel like is your leader mind and what part of that do you feel like is your follower mind? I think when I am doing more big picture stuff, Mm -hmm. like setting up larger structures, that's my leader mind. And when I just want something that is brainless, (laughs) you know, like create like something like almost in a way creating art, you mm-hmm. know, um, then that's my follower self coming through. And so I will, I will choose my activity again, based on what I think is needed mm-hmm. or whether I just really need to chill out today because there's too much going on or something. That resonates for me on a lot of levels. It, it almost feels like a shift not that you aren't using your mind when you're a follower, but I, I always feel like I'm more in my body when I'm doing activities I would associate with a follower role, like creating mm-hmm. a thing, you know, creating a, whether it's writing something or doing a, doing a piece of tangible work of any kind. Yeah. Rather than, you know, that, like you said, the sort of big picture view or considering many things, holding many things in your mind as, at once and organizing them. Yeah, I, I kind of think of it almost like creating structures versus creating beauty. Hmm. That creating structures is is more leader than creating beauty, whether it be through writing or mm-hmm. a photograph or, you know, mm-hmm. playing DJ in the shop yeah. for people. Yeah. Um, that sort of thing is more of a follower thing. Any other examples come to mind, like projects you've worked on in different ways just to kind of bring that to life? Well, so one thing that, uh, one thing that I, I jokingly belittle my role in <laughs> is, um, when we're doing fittings with actors for costumes, mm-hmm. Archer is the one 
usually Arthur is the one who is actually putting the pins in, figuring out how it needs to be, how it needs to be refit so that it fits best on this actor's body. And I'm the one who's like, uh, you could call me like the medical assistant or something, you know, he'll be like scalpel and I'll be like here, you know, um, <laughs> but it will be pins or scissors or whatever. And he doesn't even need to speak anymore because I know so well what he needs when, mm-hmm. um, which is just the nature of having worked together for so long. And so in that, in those moments, I can have one half of my brain on the task that I am there to perform Mm -hmm. and then another half of my brain on entertaining. Um, (laughs) So, because as a leader, like as the leader in the room and, and also Archer is sharing that leadership actually with the designer because he, because in our case in theater tailoring, he's not the one saying what it should like what the exact fit should be and what the details should be mm-hmm. is the design team that says right. what that should look like. Mm-hmm. And so he, they both collaborate together in a way of, of sharing the lead and follow. Mm-hmm. And Archer does that really beautifully. Actually, he will mm-hmm. often ask questions like, I think it should be like this. What do you think? You know? <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's a perfect um, example of like effective follower language in a way. It's like you're 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 offering an idea, but you're not making the decision, right? You're still supporting the decision of the leader, but in a you know way with influence. Yes, which yes. I, I love. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes he even now. I mean, because we've been working on the Hamilton costumes so mm-hmm. long for Hamilton the musical, sometimes he will even say this is the way we do it. (laughs) Um, Right. You know, Um, so that's fun to me anyways. So Mm -hmm. I will, you know, Arjun will be busy with that Mm -hmm. and, and there, but there's a lot of people in the room and Mm -hmm. I want them to like have a good time and stay engaged. And so, and so I joke that I'm the person who keeps it fun you know, like, and I'm not the only one because others and, you know, others take on the role too sometimes, but Arthur never does because he's always focused, right? Mm -hmm. He gets, that's his job. He gets to stay there. And so I will be like, okay, let's, let's talk about this song or let's go, you know, tell me a story. Where are you from? And Mm -hmm. we'll get some like dancing going on sometimes. We'll get some, you know, like (laughs) fun that happening, so the people who need to stay focused can stay focused mm-hmm. without the per- without others getting like distracted and lazy and tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, wow. You know, as you're describing that, I don't know if you would agree with this, Toba, but I'm curious about your thoughts. That um, I often think of followership as as an act of support, and there's a million ways to be supportive, right? Yeah. And I wonder if you would categorize this fun making you know entertainment uh playful atmosphere building as a form of support to the process right N- not only to Archer himself but perhaps like to the process w- what do you think about that um it is a support to the process in that it keeps people light and energized mm-hmm it doesn't necessarily support the process. Like, I think that we could perhaps be more efficient 
mm-hmm. quote unquote, like sick to the task. If, if that wasn't going on mm-hmm. and, and when we are really needing to be speed demons, mm-hmm. then I do know to like dial it back. But because again, for this longevity and sustainability, because I want us to enjoy our work for a long time, mm-hmm. to me, this feels like a vital way to create my role as a follower, mm. to, to create my support role so that I help bring this lightness and play so that everybody can enjoy and we can have a beautiful life while doing our work. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's so delightful to hear you speak about that because it's so clear that it's part of you. You know, it's it's who you are. And I'm just reminded of episode one of the podcast, which I highly recommend with Valeria Salamanov, who speaks about the follower or speaks about followership as like bringing yourself to the mm-hmm. to the dance or to the work or to the world. I love that point. I wonder, you know, how you respond to that, this idea of, you know, embodying the follower as being like a task of bringing yourself into whatever you're doing, whether that's, you know, a spirit of playfulness or something else. That resonates for me because, I mean, it's true that for me, I wouldn't be able to bring myself if I didn't bring play. They don't separate very naturally. (laughs) And I think that that um, part of the reason that I that Archer and I work so well together is because he also has that spirit of play in him. Mm. He doesn't bring it out in times where he needs to really focus. Right. But there are other times that I will be very focused (laughs) and maybe even getting stressed (laughs) out by my focus and he'll just start singing or, you know, doing something weird and I'll just burst out laughing and then I'm (laughs) I'm good again, you know? So, um, nice. I think, I think that is true that we, um, and I think that in those cases, he is bringing, he, he's, he's bringing forward some followerness instead mm-hmm. of some leadership, that it is a more playful aspect. And that to me, I don't think play is exclusively d- the domain of the follower, but I think that it tends to go that way more often. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah, I was just wondering about that as as you were as you were saying it. Why do you think it's easier to be playful or to let that be expressed from the follower perspective? I think it probably I think it's easier because play and responsibility often feel like opposites. I don't I don't think they are, but mm-hmm. they often feel like that when I am feeling the greatest need to be focused and responsible play is not always my first Um, (laughs) go-to. Sometimes it is, but it has a different look to it. Yeah. Back when I had very little responsibility, I would often just shout out in the middle of nothing fun, you know, (laughs) responsibility tends to bring seriousness easily. I think it's a really great insight and, you know, something I haven't, I haven't heard expressed quite that way before. So I really appreciate it. In our culture, I think it's fair to say we're very responsibility heavy mm-hmm. by a lot of our work cultures and just kind of social cultures push us towards being responsible. 
Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that, if I wonder then, you know, you're making this link for me between playfulness and, and followership and the follower role. I wonder if that is maybe why, what makes it hard for, for so many people to be in a follower role with ease is that inhibition around playfulness. It's like, oh, well, I need to be serious. That means I need to be a leader. And like, that's the only way to be a good, successful worker, citizen. And, you know, if I, if I'm playful or if I let that side of me out, then like, that means I'm not responsible. I'm not uh, successful. It's like um, zero sum game type of thing. That resonates for me. And I think that what is required for me in order to allow myself to be myself, to bring it back to Valeria's point and to bring out my play is trust in the, in the relationships because Yes, there are times there. I mean, there are times when I do take play too far Mm -hmm. at work and actually um, we have created, especially we have a lot of fittings with Hamilton because we have so many fittings with Hamilton. I have, we have taken play too far enough. We've actually created a system to tell us when we take play too far, which is that we have a naughty hat and when somebody is too naughty, they have to wear the naughty hat for a while. <laughs> um, and, it, and it is such a beautiful system because there's no, um, there's no real stigma about it. Sometimes even like when I get off task in, at work, like in a fitting, for example, Arthur won't get upset with me. He will just say, Tova. <laughs> You know, and I know, oh, I'm off task. Okay, focus, <laughs> Tove. You know, uh-huh. and if it weren't for mm-hmm. that trust, he could very, I remember those moments of feeling like he, I am not being a good worker mm-hmm. right now. And it is okay because now I'm in, my attention has been drawn to that. I can come back to, to being on task. So trust is what enables play mm-hmm. to happen. And for me, play is what enables happiness to happen. <laughs> and and it, it is what enables work satisfaction mm-hmm. to happen. Nice. Yeah, really nice. I don't think what you're saying is that being playful means you can't be a good worker at all, right? That, no. But that, you know, it, it has to be in balance, right? So, you know, if if we have like all following, right, in any situation, then we don't, nothing happens, mm-hmm. right? It's just like an endless moment of uh, being, right? And if we have only leadership, right, then we get like rigid in a different way, yeah. right? Then there's no, um, there's no freedom. Everything is super fixed. Yeah. So in any environment, you know, dancing, working in any, in any industry, there has to be both forces, right? There has to be a sense of order and there also has to be the sense of wiggliness. Wiggliness, thank you. <laughs> a word I would never have chosen. <laughs> but yes, exactly. And so the balance is, I think, what I'm interested in and you filling it out in this way and describing it this way is is um, it's really refreshing. But do you want to add anything to that or correct my summary? I want to share an, another anecdote that will illustrate this because there have been moments... Like there was another moment when I like speaking about the accents or or actually it wasn't Mm -hmm. about the accent. There was a fitting with a designer that we didn't know very well when I corrected Arthur on his English in a playful way. 
And Mm -hmm. the designer didn't know me very well. And she looked at me sharply and she said, never correct your elders. You know, he's your boss. Don't do that. And I remember thinking, Mm -hmm. ah, there is not trust and understanding here. I -hmm. was out of line. And it wasn't because I was out of line with Arthur. It was because it wasn't the context for that. And so, whereas in other moments, I even even got, oh, I shouldn't say who. Oh, I even got (laughs) one of the designers that we work with often to play a game with balls and paddles one day in a fitting, Mm -hmm. just to bring some lightness. And then we quickly got back to work. So yes, to me, like play can create richness and depth of connection and that can strongly and positively influence the work environment and mm-hmm. and make work um, flow better. Absolutely, 100% agree. And I love that you brought in the connection to trust because the trust is often described in terms of it being needed for productivity or good communication or, you know, all those more, more familiar business needs, but to have it here as also a prerequisite for lightness and meaning and joy, I think is also important, right? Because those things are also important for our human thriving. Yeah. I really like that example that you shared about not having trust with the designer and your playfulness being out of context because of that. I wonder if there are any other moments that come to mind where you've been aware of this balance between, you know, leading and following or like responsibility and playfulness. I feel like there's a couple of different kinds of play. And one is this kind Mm -hmm. of, uh, what I've been kind of talking about is this kind of like sparkly or twinkly kind of play that creates warmth. But I feel like there's another kind of play that I go into when I am taking on more of a leader role. And that is Mm -hmm. like a, like a calm curiosity that creates Mm. or that looks for possibility. Like what can we create here? And I do really think of that as a kind of play because my mind, Mm -hmm. my inner eye eyebrows, like my inner mind eyebrows sort of (laughs) go up and like, Ooh, what's possible here. Right. In sort of a mischievous (laughs) way. Right. So it feels like play to me. And I feel like that's something that I go to sometimes when I have a situation where something isn't working very well. Somebody's very angry and I Mm -hmm. go, okay, how can I take on this to discover what's possible to create something new and just like explore the edges and see if they are as as solid as we think they are. (laughs) What might we not have noticed that through this like lens of curiosity, we might find a new Mm -hmm. way forward. And I do that sometimes with Archer. Sometimes he will, I feel like that he is just like very upset about something and very rigid because it's hard being Mm -hmm. a leader. There's a lot of stress on you. And so sometimes and depending on which one of us is in that position, because sometimes it's me, oftentimes mm-hmm. the other one will either come with this like twinkly lightness, you know, to just like mm-hmm. try to break that like heaviness or will be like, hey, I got this. I'll figure it out. And mm-hmm. to me, either one of those is 
it's like the follower version of play or the leader version of play. It's like, oh, you know, I'll help you break through this with fun or I'll help you break <laughs> through this with exploration. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to have that image of my inner eyebrows uh-huh. for the rest of today. <laughs> That's a fabulous image. But thank you for that. That's really inspiring just, you know, how to embody playfulness from either role. And I can I can totally imagine approaching a partner, whether a supervisor or, or a, another colleague with either end of those, you know, where you know, the, the twinkly fun playfulness is maybe a way to support them while they're still leading, mm-hmm. you know, and then the other one, right. The playful leadership is like, well, I'll, you know, let me take over this leader lens for a moment. You can relax and kind of go back into the the details or something, you know, or, you know, come along with me as I guide this exploration and that, you know, that lets the other person follow when perhaps they're drained exactly. right? or, overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. And so both are supportive, but one Mm -hmm. is supportive in more of a geisha-like role, right? (laughs) Just making everything more lovely. And the other Mm -hmm. is supportive in a engineer way, a Mm -hmm. leadership way. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Tova, this has been super fun. I'm I'm so glad we got to do this. I'm wondering, is anything rising to the surface for you now around followership, uh, you know, leading following? Anything else you'd like to leave listeners with as maybe like a little pro tip or a way for them to enter into their own playfulness? Mm, well, <laughs> <laughs> dare I ask? <laughs> I mean, I just want to go into my twinkly playfulness to say like I think we should all sing and dance more (laughs) that's me being a follower suggesting some lightness and everyone should get their own naughty hats just for (laughs) when you go too far and Mm -hmm. and I think then the world would be a better place wonderful sage wisdom (laughs) thank you Tova where could uh, listeners learn a little bit more about uh, Arthur and Taylor's, you know, if they're curious or anything else about uh, the work you're doing in New York City. Well, if you're playfully curious, our website is archerandtaylors.com. We also have a second business where mm-hmm. if you like to sew, you can find us. That's called biaswithspoke.com. We sell sewing supplies there. Archer decided he wanted a business that was not dependent on his hands. <laughs> Wonderful. I will put those uh, both in the show notes. Thank you once again. And I look forward to uh, our next adventure, whatever that might be. Sounds wonderful. Thank you, Sharna. You have been listening to the Lead and Follow podcast. Special thanks to Glover Gill for composing our music. And thank you to all of our subscribers. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting the show with a paid subscription. And if your team or organization is interested in followership training, please reach out anytime. I'd love to help.